Welcome to the 35th episode of It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast, where we discuss murders that intrigue us. I am Cindy. And I'm Mercedes. Thank you for listening to last week's episode, where we discuss the gruesome rapes and murders in an East Allentown neighborhood. Our show is often horrifying and graphic, and we will use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for a murder. Also, we are passionate and always have been about true crime. But we must warn you, sometimes we will make jokes and we will laugh during our podcast. You want to learn more about us? Visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com to find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. If you like what you hear and you'd like to help us out, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a five-star rating along with a comment. Also, please recommend our podcast to your friends. The more the merrier. Hey, Mercedes, what's up? How's it going, Cindy? Pretty good. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I guess I had a horrible migraine yesterday, so uh, anything's better than that. Oh, gosh. I, You know, I've had a couple migraines in the last couple of weeks, too. It's got to be something in the air, you know? Yeah, and the weather's kind of shitty, and yeah, that always affects my brain. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm tired today. We just got back from um, St. Charles, Missouri. We went, drove up there, and came back and over the weekend so that is a um, long drive yes it is Ugh. it is my move. husband drove i didn't oh well that's good yeah well i yeah. would get because you know according to him i don't know how to drive right <laughs> i wish my husband felt that way and wanted to drive everywhere oh does he let you drive bastard yes okay yeah my husband doesn't let me drive and oh. sometimes i drive better than he does so oh me too most of the time. yeah so yeah well, I did try to watch that Epstein documentary. Oh, my God. It's ho- it's awful, isn't it? I didn't even make yeah. it, like, more than 20 mm-hmm. minutes into it before I turned it off. And um, my husband and I watched uh, on Shudder, which is kind of like another streaming app. Okay. We watched Cursed Films, The Exorcist. Okay. I started watching that the other day, too. So, And I don't have Shudder. I don't know how I can see it. So. It was a uh, free. It was, we didn't subscribe to it. It was free, like on, I don't know, our cable okay. somehow. Yeah, I, I started watching it, too. I'm not a big fan of um, cursed films or... I like cursed plays like Macbeth, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of The Exorcist or anything that causes me extreme anxiety, though I do love, you know, researching murder. And right, I know. Like that. Isn't that weird? So weird? I know. And that's yeah. what brings me, remember how I said I can remember what, what I wanted my next murder to be? Right. That reminded me of what my next murder was okay, going to be. Okay, good. So right. my husband has never watched The Exorcist. Oh, so did you watch it together? No, because uh, I don't think it would have the same effect now watching. As an adult versus as a child? Just because of the theatrics and you know all of that yeah but he was kind of i think it like freaked him out a little bit but it's a cult i mean it's a classic so it's like one of those that he should see yes but i think it freaked him out because in it linda blair talks about how the harness broke Uh and she was still flopping all over the place and actually broke some of her vertebrae oh wow and he was just like with his eyes open his mouth hanging open he was like cindy the the (laughs) listeners can't see your face right now i know it would be I am very uh, animated. Yeah, very. <laughs> Eyeballs pop wide open. Your mouth was, you know, like a shape of an O. So what are you telling us about today? Well, I'm going to tell you today about, I wanted to do something different, not just, you know, like we talked about yes. last week. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I want to do a bank robbery. Oh, okay. So, so that's what I... So this is what I, I love about working with you because I 
would never want to do a bank robbery. <laughs> and it's not like we're ever like competing or, you know, we just do our own things and we're different. I love that. I yes, love it. Yes. Because I wouldn't want to do a bank robbery, but it sounds interesting. It, I mean, it is. It's, it's, I think it's going to be like a, like a quick, like cut and dry, bam, bam, bam. Okay. This is what happened. But uh-huh. there's some other crazy stuff that I kind of told you a little bit about already. R- yes, yes. So I'm just going to jump right in. Okay. All right. So Jay Wesley Neal was born on April 9th, 1965. Okay. And at 18 years old, he joined the U.S. Army. So in 1983, he joined the Army. Lots of kids did that. But by 1984, February 1984, Jay had met a young man named Robert Grady Johnson in a bar. Jay and Robert would become lovers. Okay, so, you know, this is 1984. This wasn't... This was before Don't Ask, Don't Tell, or was mm-hmm. it right around then? No, because Clinton... Clinton did Clinton the Don't, did Ask, Don't, don't Tell. Ask, Don't Tell. So, 10 years... This is 10 so years prior to that. Before that, it was illegal to be gay in the military, correct? Like yeah. You would get thrown out if yes. you were gay. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, these two became lovers, and during the summer of 1984... Um, Jay Neal would become would be discharged from the army after disclosing the fact that he was homosexual. So they discharged him, and he immediately started having financial difficulties, you right, know, because his paycheck ended. And he's eighteen, nineteen years old, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, okay. I mean, he wasn't in very long at all, right? So I don't know. I mean, it says that he after he disclosed that he was a homosexual. So I don't know if there was some suspicion around it. People started talking and he just admitted to it. Or if he was like, you know what? The army might not be the best place for me. And I'm going to say, because I actually went to school or I used to work with someone who was in the military. And to get out of the military, he told them he was gay and he wasn't gay. To me, it's just so odd. I guess just because, and you know, I don't know. I don't, I've never had a problem with someone. If if they're gay, that's their thing. I don't care. So it's just odd that, I mean, and I know there's discrimination against gay people and all of that, but to me, it's just odd that you could get thrown out of the military for being gay. Right. Like I'm thinking at MASH and, and I know that, what was his name? The guy that dressed as a woman. I know that oh, he wasn't gay. He was just, right. um, what, what is, what is it? Crossdresser? Yeah. What, what, I can't remember the guy's name. God, I saw yeah. a crossdresser the other day. Uh-huh. Full on man with high heels. Okay. Well, that's all right. No, like he was dressed as a man with high heels. So he didn't really, but he had earrings on and makeup, but okay. he had like manly clothes on okay. with stiletto heels. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I was just like, what? I envy anybody who can walk in stilettos. Tell you what. So I guess he wasn't really a crossdresser. He just had stilettos on, but he was a big man, like six foot something. So those yeah. were really big stilettos. I, you know what? I know that I, I just love it that people can. He was rocking it, man. Yeah. Hey, hey, to each his own, right? He had, a be- he had like a beard, and I'm telling you, he wait, was- wait. <laughs> I think I saw that person the other day. <laughs> Were we together? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wait, I think I saw that person the other day. Was it at Target? They said he's always in Target. Because where did I see him? Well, there's not many, I don't really go many places. Okay, I'll have to think about this because yeah. I was thinking that I'm like, okay, that's great. No, no, it wasn't. It was one of the research. Remember the the murder that I did, um, Pete L. Moses? Yeah. Oh, Antoinette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. 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 No, no. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sorry for the sidebar. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, we love you all. It's okay. Okay. Safe place here. Okay. So Jay and Robert started living together right away in a place called Lawton. Lawton? Like which state? Um, Oklahoma. Okay. All right. So they they shared a bank account at a very small bank in Geronimo, Oklahoma. 
Um, as a result of their financial situation, the bank had returned several of their checks due to insufficient funds. The couple would frequently visit the bank in order to sort these kind of money problems out. So they were, you know, okay, what can we do to sort the, you know, right. to get this under control? The bank was a very, very small operation. There was only like two to three people working at any time. And they had no surveillance, no security. Okay. So the financial problems, I mean, financial problems will drive anyone to the brink of insanity. You don't mess with people. You don't mess with broke people and their money. And stressing over something like that will make you think of crazy things to do. Like, what can I, I do? Do tell more. <laughs> money making schemes, uh, you know, how to get uh, rich ooh. fast. You know, I mean, there's, you know, what can I do to make some money? Okay. So Jay mentioned several times um, due to, well, yeah, hey, man. There's not any security guys here. There's not any security cameras. There's only like two people working. We could rob this place. So it would be very easy to come up with a plan and carry it out is what he was saying. Okay. So so he's got this idea in his head he's going to rob this little bank. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can't just, you know, you can't and you shouldn't just, you know, rob a bank all willy nilly. Right. You got to have plans. Right. So, on December 12th, 1984, Jay went around shopping for firearms at a pawn shop. However, he wasn't old enough to purchase a firearm because at that time, he was 19 and the law there dictated he had to be 21. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was new to me, too. All right. So, the following day, Robert went and applied for a gun license. Because Robert's older. Yes. Um, So, that morning... So, Robert's in on the plan. Sure, I'll go get the gun. That's the way it's shaping up to look. Okay. okay, so while Jay or while Robert was going to get the gun license and to buy the gun, Jay went to a travel agency and purchased two tickets to the Bahamas. For people who don't have any money, they how, have money to go to the Bahamas. How did, and get a gun. How do they have the money to do that? I don't know. Maybe Just, this is between those bouncing check times, I guess. All right. Or maybe, they, maybe they're writing checks and they're just going to eventually bounce. I don't know. So they planned to leave for the Bahamas the next day at 6 p.m. The couple went back to the pawn shop, purchased a revolver that Jay um, that Jay had applied that Jay had his eye on before. So that's the one he wanted. So he told Robert. Anyway, they went back and they purchased the revolver. Around 1 p.m. on December 14th, Neil. I'm just going to refer to him. Jay is Neil. That's his last name. Okay. So is that good? Are you good with that? I'm good with okay. that. All right. So Neil entered the first bank of Chattanooga in Geronimo. And this is in Oklahoma. So Uh who knew that there was a First Bank of Chattanooga in Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Right. Right. So he entered in at gunpoint, and there happened to be three tellers working at the bank. So he forced them into the back room. The tellers were Kay Bruno, 42, Jerry Bowles, 19, and a Joyce Mullinex, 25. So he ultimately ended up stabbing them upwards of like 75 times. So... He stabbed each of them 75 times? No, total. So he stabbed 75 times. Right. So 25 per body or something like Give that. Give or take. Yes. Because yes. actually, um, I have the numbers. So Kay was stabbed 14 times. Jerry was stabbed 34 times. And Joyce was stabbed 24 times. They were all told to lay face down on the floor while he stabbed them to death. So like he got them in there, laid them down, and just immediately started stabbing them. They died from multiple stab wounds to the head, neck, and chest and abdomen areas. And um, one of the employees was actually six or seven months pregnant. Oh. And then he attempted to decap- decapitate each woman. So he didn't go in there to rob a bank. He went in there for a bloodbath. Pretty much. I mean, they he could have just put a bullet in each of them if he wanted to kill them. Or he could have just robbed them and left. And t- tied them up. But yeah. they would have known who it was. 
Yes. They would have since it's such a small operation. They would right. have known who it was. But, I mean, but still, it's like he just went straight in there, put them in the back room, and killed them. He was taking out some aggression on them. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yes. I mean, that's just the, the, I mean, my arm's getting tired just thinking of it. Because stabbing someone is not easy. No, no. I actually read somewhere that, you know, if, you know, you could stab like a pumpkin or a watermelon, mm-hmm. you know, so taking out, pulling, you know, thrusting it in and then pulling it out, that gets to be, you know, quite I mean, hard you, unless you're in a rage. If you've ever cut into like a melon like that, you know, I mean, you cut into it and you got to like really work to like right. cut through it. And then even just to get the knife out, if you're not going all the way through is... Not oh, an easy Lord. task. Uh, I mean, was she showing? Do you know? I mean, if it's her first, she could possibly. Oh. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that uh, part. Still, but it gets that's worse. Awful. Okay. All right. So five customers enter the building at this time. Oh. While he's back there doing this, so then he forces all of them to lay down in the very room where he just killed all these employees. Oh my god. So they're freaking out. I imagine because there's you know blood is everywhere. Well, he shot each customer in the head. Killing only one of them. Oh. So he killed Ralph Zeller, who was 33, and he wounded three others. Now, I said there was five, right? right. So Neil would later deny shooting the, attempting to shoot the fifth person, who was a toddler. Oh. However, the child's father would testify that he witnessed that someone put a gun to his child's head and fired several times. Luckily, the weapon was out of ammunition. So the child's father was in the bank, too. He was one of the survivors. He was one of the survivors, yeah. Mm. It was really bad. And I read later, and I don't know if I put it in here or not, but not that it matters, but it, so the mom, the dad, and the baby were in there. The mom was 15, her husband was 20, and then they had the baby, who was like 14 to 18 months old. Okay. So I was like, what? Is that right? But That's Oklahoma. <laughs> I, I saw it several times that those were their now, ages. Um, so where is the boyfriend at this time? Is he just filling his, the sack up with money? Nope. No. Nope. I mean. I he, mean, according to Jay Neal here, he was at home. So it was just J- Jay who went in. Well. Oh, you're going to get to that. I am going to address it a little bit. Okay. During some of the okay. testimony. How much did they take? Up. Uh, uh, approximately $17,000. Or how much did he take? Okay. Yeah. So Neil and Johnson would flee to San Francisco. I don't, I'm not sure how we went from they were going to go to the Bahamas to San Francisco. I'm not sure what transpired there. Or well, maybe they were going to San Francisco to fly to the Bahamas. Or maybe Bahamas is a red herring. Possibly. I didn't think about that. Good Good point now. Yeah. All right. So Neil and Johnson would flee to San Francisco where they would spend some of the stolen money. The pair spent a great deal of money on expensive jewelry, clothing, hotels, limousines, and shockingly, cocaine. Oh, yeah. Gotta gotta get that cocaine. Gotta, you know, it's 1984. The, they are living thing. high on the hog right now uh-huh. and just having a good old time in San Francisco. Yep. But guess what? The bills were marked. Oh. As they are. Typically... Right? Aren't marked, but aren't, you know, they're usually marked. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is, is when like they went in. Like a die pack, right? So when, or no. Well, I'm thinking that when they went in, they had those special bills that if they were getting robbed, they would use that money because they were marked. Like not everybody's money is going to be marked. Like right. they go into the bank because then, you know, and then that way they would be able to trace it. So bank robbery is a federal offense. Yes. All right. All right, so the FBI would catch up with these dimwits. Murderers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they were arrested within like three days of the robbery. Uh, okay, hold on just a second. Okay, 
They did not have surveillance at the bank. Correct. They did have witnesses who lived to tell. Yes. Most likely their uh, fingerprints so they could identify who they were. But Mm -hmm. how would they figure out where to look? How quickly, within three days, they already nabbed these guys and... There's no computer system. When you check into a hotel in 1984, you didn't like. Right. There was no computer. I mean, you still use the key to open the door. (laughs) Right, right. So it's just, I mean, that's amazing work for them to know automatically where they went. Well, and I'm thinking that because they were marked bills. So the banking system has, has to have some way to tell whether these bills are marked. So let's say you go into a store, you spend them. Then the bank knows who made that deposit. So they can trace it back to that store, that hotel, or that. It just seems like it would take longer than three days. It does. But. But they're flashy. They're flashing around money. Right. Maybe they took a plane to San Francisco. I mean, do you know how they got there? I think they did fly to San Francisco. So that's possible. So if they really were planning to go to the Bahamas, like you said, that's the connecting flight. There would have been a record there. But even back then when you flew, it was not computer no you, you had like i mean it printed you had like a printer that printed out right. your boarding pass right but. like that dot matrix <laughs> yes like, yes right yes exactly so they were arrested three days after the robbery at the time of their arrest thirty seven hundred dollars was found on neil um, in their hotel room neil would also later confess to his attorney that he and johnson were planning on committing suicide once the money ran out they would be arrested before that would ever happen. So they blew through like $14,000 quite quickly. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of cocaine, jewelry. Yeah. Clothes. San Francisco, flying right. around, eating, eating large. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they were living the, living the life. Yeah. All right. So once arrested, the case, you know, their cases were tried together initially. The state would try Neil and Johnson jointly. However, Oklahoma City, or Oklahoma City, (laughs) Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals, however, would reverse their resulting convictions. They were both, within like, once their trial was over, I remember reading, within like 90 minutes, they were both found guilty. Hey, everyone. I wanted to take a minute and tell you about today's sponsor, Girl Means Business. If you dream of starting your own business and being your own boss, or if you have a side hustle that you're wanting to grow, you've got to check out girlmeansbusiness.com. Kendra Swalls, the brainchild behind this brand, is an experienced career coach, entrepreneur, blogger, podcaster, and teacher who can help you take your business to the next level. At girlmeansbusiness.com, you will find everything you need to know to grow your business from free advice on building a client base, practical tips on using social media, an explanation of and advice on search engine optimization, and free resources that you can download right now. Listen to the Girl Means Business podcast for pro tips that give you immediate advice on how to turn your passions into profits. Follow your dreams, start your own business, and know that Kendra's got your back. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Kendra's been there, learning and making mistakes along her way. Failures can be your successes. Check out girlmeansbusiness.com today and follow your dreams. Now back to the show. Um, oh, so that that was my question. So I said, you know, bank robbery is a federal crime, unless it's a state. I, I need to do my research on that. So I'm just curious. Is I think the FBI made it because it crossed state lines. But and maybe why that's is it going it? to an Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals instead of like the Supreme Court? Well, it eventually does make it to the Supreme Court, okay. but. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sorry. If you know the answer, please email us. Yeah, tell us. (laughs) Fill us in. Oh, I know why. I know why it's a federal offense. (laughs) Why? I know, I know, I know. 
Okay, so the bank robbery is the federal offense. Exactly. The murders are different. So I'm covering the murders. I'm not really covering the bank robbery. So was he even... Was... The <laughs> so Oklahoma must have picked up the murder charges, and I'm because what this is something that's gonna I'm gonna talk about next week because my guy also has federal and state crimes, and because the state that he committed the crimes in doesn't have death penalty, they went ahead and allowed the oh. state to take those charges, okay. or not the state, the federal, the right. federal government, and we saw that again with Adrian Robinson in Georgia. Remember yep. that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of other places, too. Remember the one guy who, like, Texas was like, okay, we're going to let you go. But right. then that other state was like, but we're not. Right. Yeah, that's yes. right. Okay. So, and so I actually didn't see any charges at all for the federal robbery charges. Well, that I, probably you got a lot of your information from the appeals court, which was from the Oklahoma court. Right. So most likely that's because that's why. Yep. So whatever. He got the death penalty. So, so they didn't mess around. Nope. Oh, thanks. I knew you could figure that out, girl. (laughs) Yes. All right. So they were both found guilty. Their resulting convictions would be um, uh, reversed, holding among other errors because there was some... the, The trial court would determine that they should have had separate trials. Prior to his second trial, Neil gave a videotaped interview to a religious... TV program called the 700 Club. Oh, Pat Robertson. <laughs> yeah, he's still on TV. That's cr- I he, I remember like this from like the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I no, had no idea what was listen, so long. I was watching this show just the other night a movie on Freeform and I don't remember the movie but it was like cussing and sex and violence and then it was followed by the 700 Club <laughs> well, and coming in to clean up that sin. <laughs> I don't mean to um, offend anyone, but I just cannot stand that guy. God. You know, remember how I was watching Designing Women? Uh-huh. And they were always talking about Jimmy, um, uh, what's his face? Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker. Yeah. I remember when they were on TV and they're like RV and. Right. <laughs> God, before yeah. they were. And, I just remember that. And mascara. Jimmy Swagger. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, so the 700 Club, and then he wrote several letters to authors, um, to an author who wrote a book about murders. He, he wrote letters to an author about the murders. Neil also wrote letters and made phone calls apologizing to several of the victims. In these communications, he, he admitted to the crimes. So is he, like, turning to Jesus here? Or is he trying to say... Um, the devil made me do it and no, he never says the devil made him do it. He does end up finding religion. Okay. But I think that this was just before. So he, did he want fame? I mean, he's reaching out to, I think maybe he just realized like, holy shit, what did I do? Okay. And then he kind of like was remorseful for it. So he must've had a, uh, maybe a religious background like that maybe trying to it okay so based on this evidence because of the tele calling and doing a videotaped interview for the 700 club writing all of these letters based on all of that the jury convicted him of four counts of first degree malice murder three counts of shooting with the intent to kill one count of attempted shooting with intent to kill so even though those three counts of the people who survived he was attempting to kill them, but he didn't. And then the one count of a—I mean, he did shoot them, but they didn't die. Then the one that he attempted. And then the mur—the malice murder—that would be the stabbings. Yes. 
and the one shooting. So he he shot, he stabbed three people and killed them, shot one person and killed them, shot three more people that lived, and then attempted to shoot the baby. Even though he denied that till... Well, that's Jesus stepping in right there, right? I know. And the fact that he shot three people in the head and they lived. Yeah. So at the sentencing, the state charged and found, and the jury found as to each murder, three aggravating factors. Neil had created great risk of death to more than one person. He had committed murders to avoid an arrest and prosecution. And the murders were especially heinous, atrocious, and cruel. The jury imposed four death sentences as well as, well as 20 years imprisonment for each non-capital convic- conviction. Wow. Yeah. So when I, you know, said, when we were talking earlier and I said, what he does, he deserves. Yes. He deserves what he gets. Right. Because, I mean, he tried to de- decapitate these women. Not only did he stab them, he tried to cut off their heads with a knife. Wow. I mean, just like a, yeah. I mean... That's that's gruesome. It's, yeah, I mean, what? Why? Why? Right. What's the point? You, you went in your... there to 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 rob the bank. Yeah. Um. Unless he's just angry with them that they didn't work with him. You know, he's he's going in. And yeah. you know, I don't know. I know that for insufficient funds, that's at least thirty dollars coming that you owe. I mean, the it bank. is today. I don't know what it was then. Back then, yeah. But still, that's money you don't have. Right. And if and you have them bound, you know. And if you think the man's out to get you and that's how they're going to keep you down. Yeah. So, I mean, he's enraged. You know, mm-hmm. he's having financial difficulties. He's gay in the 80s. You know, that can't be, you know, an that's easy no life. That's murder. No, but yeah, absolutely right. not. All right. So, Neil and Johnson were both, a, I already said, I'm just going to kind of recap here. So, Neil and Johnson were both arrested on December 17th in San Francisco, California. Again, the, the bills were marked. Um, that were stolen from the bank. They paid for hotel hotel rooms, limo rides, shopping excursions, etc. Neil and Johnson testified that Johnson was at home during the robbery, but previously stated that Johnson had accompanied him to the bank. So he knew what was going on. However, one of the victims testified that she heard two men inside the bank talking to each other. But that that's it. So, um, well, the, there were other men customers in there, right? Well, when he originally originally went in, there wasn't anybody in there, and then he killed the three tellers, tellers. and then the other people came in the five. But it was someone that he was communicating with, okay. even though to the day he died, he swore that Johnson was at home. So Neil was sentenced to death twice. We already know that. Okay. Once in 1985 and again in 1992. So that was the first and then the second, like the trials. Okay. During the time of his incarceration, he converted to born-again Christian and then to Buddhism. Vastly different. Well. Sort of. Yeah, they're different, but they have some similarities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So while on death row, Neil's friends, um, he became, his friends were always kind of doubtful of his conversion to Christianity. Um, it was often a topic of conversation and his friends were skeptical of the insincerity or the sincerity of his conversion, even though he delivered many sermons, quoted scripture often. Okay. So my question is, is I know that, that, um, Pat Roberts, is it Roberts or Robinson? 700 club guy. I think it's Pat He's Robertson. the one, he's actually said that, uh, that bad things happen because we allow homosexuality to be, a, you know, to not be against the law or whatever. Like, he's said things like that. Mm. Okay. So maybe, hmm. 
So this is kind of a, yeah. Like he's using that as an excuse? I don't know. What I'm guessing is maybe he was just raised like that and now he's feeling guilty and maybe going back to it. I don't know. But what I'm saying, do you know anything about this guy's childhood? Are you going to get to that? Nope. Nothing Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be, I mean, back then you would probably try to stay in the closet for as long as you could. You wouldn't want your family to know, especially if they were Christian. Mm Mm-hmm. I do have some friends who are, I do, especially, I had one friend who was gay and he, he was in denial most of his life until he finally said, you know, I just, I just thought of Elizabeth Smart's father. Like he, he yeah. finally just came out of the closet. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, back then that was taboo. You would not, you wouldn't, you know, you couldn't, yeah couldn't be yourself mm-hmm. back right. then. And if you were, you were usually discriminated against oh, greatly. Yeah. But Pat Robertson was one of those guys who would preach about, you know, the sins of homosexuals and all that. So right. It's, just, it's ironic to me that he would. That that's there. what he was like watching and writing into. and t- let, Right. I wonder if we could find that video. <laughs> so in a letter that was written in his last days on death row, he described his spiritual journey by saying, Above all, I enjoy sharing of love and positive thoughts. I'm as judgmental as I know how to be. I think that's supposed to say unjudgmental as I know how to be. I believe every person has a right to live their lives free from harm and prejudice. I just wish I knew more about life. I wish that I knew more about life when I was confused, 19-year-old, the age I was when I committed committed this crime. So I just found this, and uh, I'm not sure how accurate these sources are. Oh, oh Lord. But, okay, here's one. Okay. He has a history of making controversial remarks. We're talking about Pat Robertson. I I have actually heard him say things. Listen, when my mother was really sick, Mm -hmm. she watched these shows all day long. And I've actually heard them say things like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. Well, that's, I mean. So in my research, I came across a little something. All right. And, you know, I just didn't know really how to take this. To take this. So I found a publication. It was a faculty publication called The Geronimo Bank Murders, A Gay Tragedy by Joan Howarth, Howarth. Howarth, Uh a Michigan State University college professor, college of law professor. So this 40-page excerpt basically asserts that the crimes Neil and Johnson committed were, were, they were... She wasn't saying that they were gay crimes, but like that everybody else, they were, oh, well, these are crimes that a gay person would do. Really? Yeah. I'm, now I'm intrigued because why? Okay. So the state's reading of this as a gay crime became, almost began as soon as they were. Now this I, is, oh, I'm sorry. This is this woman's take, this Joan yes. Howard. She's saying that the state essentially convicted him for being gay saying that he did this because he was gay yeah there yeah like he got the death penalty because he was gay now he got the death penalty because he tried to cut off three people's heads okay i mean i don't think the because during their trials his sexuality was brought up when really that had no bearing on the case whatsoever but what the state Okay, so this is this is what it says. Okay, what does All she right, say? So it says the state's reading of this as a gay crime began as soon as Neil and Johnson were identified as suspects, or even before, by police accounts. As reported in the local press, the official story was that the gruesome brutality of the crimes showed that the perpetrator was a homosexual. Okay, what <laughs> does she explain, or does anyone explain how? 
these crimes showed homosexuality? Like, well, according to the state police, the people who were there, in discussing this investigation with the chief inspector of Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations, they claimed that in the mo- in most cases of overkill, meaning that this was an overkill, you know, you didn't have to stab these people all this time and cut off their heads, that the perpetrators turned out to be homosexual. A supposed fact, an actual exemplar of a breathtaking bigotry that he said that they were trained to know. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So they would just automatically say that people who were gay were were likened to commit certain crimes. Or just like overkill. So why would a gay person overkill? Like, why would a gay person well, do that to a woman? Harvey Miguel Robinson from last week was not gay. And, and that was overkill. Yeah. All, I mean, all the people that we've done. So that's, yeah. that's crazy. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So other law enforcement officials said that they knew before Neil and Johnson were arrested on their shopping spree in San Francisco that these were homosexuals who viciously stabbed the three women at the Geronimo, Geronimo branch of the First Bank of Chattanooga. That's the first thing I said said Tony Burns, district attorney of Grady County. There had to be sexual overtones towards the women. It had to be someone with an emotional problem towards women who needed to feel superior to them. Well, and it could be, but that doesn't mean that person's gay. Correct. I mean, we, I mean, we know lots of people who think they're superior to women, but they're oh, definitely yeah. not gay. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Neil's execution... All right. Now, so he actually is executed. He's executed. Oh. He sure is. And oh. I, I'm such a, I mean, I don't feel sorry for him, but I guess the way, so just listen, this is what he says. So Neil's sentences, his, he does appeal. Obviously he gets all these appeals and gets to sit on death row forever. So his appeals were finally denied by the U S Supreme court, October 2nd, 2002. So even though the police chief and the prosecutor said, Oh, well, it's because this man was gay. That's not considered prejudice against the... No, because he had, I mean, he had done all those interviews stating that, yes, I did it. Okay. So, I mean, that's a lot of the facts. Yes, his sexuality was brought up. Why they brought it up, I don't know. But well, it's a prejudice during... a jury, right? Yes. I mean, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, God, trying to cut off those women's heads was... Like, I agree, but I don't think the section... I'm just surprised that they didn't throw it out. That's all. Yeah. I'm just surprised. I mean, they might today, but maybe not, Right. you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, he was executed by lethal injection on December 12th. His final meal consisted of a double cheeseburger, french fries, peach or cherry cobbler, and a pint of vanilla ice cream, and a large bottle of crayon, uh, crayon grape juice. Huh. My stomach hurts thinking about I know. all that. Oh, <laughs> like, oof. So, as he was on the gurney, he offered an apology to families of Bruno Bulls and Molinex and Zeller and the Robles family. The Robles family, the Robles family, that's the the, the married couple with the baby. All right. Um, the 15-year-old. Yeah. Um, he said, I want everyone to know I'm really sorry for what I did to you. I'm not sorry for dying here today. I'm not sorry because I'm lying here. I'm sorry for the horrible, horrible thing I did. I hope that you can find some comfort in that and to know Robert Johnson wasn't in the bank. I know you think he was, but he wasn't. Please forgive me. As he made this statement, his voice quivered and he complained of being dizzy before asking, are they starting? Then he prayed until he became unconscious unconscious, and Neil was pronounced dead at 6.18 a.m. 
J. Wesley Neal was the 54th person executed by the state of Oklahoma since resuming executions in 1990. Wow. So he he was did sound remorseful by the end. Yeah, I mean I've heard a, we've gone over lots of statements and you know that one really does sound. So would it, did they have a drug problem prior to robbing the bank? Not that I'm aware of. I didn't hear. I mean I didn't hear. I didn't see any uh-huh. thing. There's and, not. Yeah. And I printed out everything. I pretty much I printed it all out and like went over it and. And there's just sometimes they give you a lot of information, background information when you look up some of these stuff, especially like older ones. Well, you would think they would have some mitigating factors in the appeals and whatnot, but you know what? No, no, nobody cared enough. No. Wow. So that's what I got this week. Wow. That's short and sweet and brutal. I know. Yeah. You know, why drag it out? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why drag it out? You're right. So just out of curiosity, all three, the 15 year old and her husband and the baby, they all lived. That's correct. That is correct. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) Such a uh, tragic story. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was a different one and it was very cut and dry and this is what happened. And he, you know, basically admitted to all of it. Yeah. Yeah, I am really curious about the interview with Pat Robinson, Robinson, Robertson, whatever the hell his name is. All right. Well, thanks, Cindy. You're welcome. And thank you all so much for listening to this week's murder. We appreciate sharing our passion with you. We thank you for your support. If you want to support us even further, which we beg you, please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star rating with a comment. Your subscription ratings really are essential to our success at this. You can do this on your favorite platform. And for more information and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com. You can also email us at a true crime podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> we are so grateful to spend our time together and share our murderous stories. Thank you so much for your support. Please recommend It Wasn't Me to your true crime loving friends and family. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters. They are the extra. You too can become one of our beloved patrons by signing up at patreon.com forward slash It Wasn't Me pod. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. And remember, It, it Wasn't, wasn't me. me.